So deep breath in and a slow breath out. Welcome, folks, to the Mindfulness Podcast. Uh, I have Pat here with me today, very, very uh, ready to share the news and the guest of today. So, Pat, I'll give you the speech as a start. Okay. Well, just some some quick news. Um, we just got back from Oxford. Oxford Ooh. had an annual gathering at the end of October. Nice. And we also got to present the the Kindrel case study there. So that was really nice and and good to talk about that. Um, other than that, we're working on our business offering. So how we can start bringing this to some of our partners and clients. That's mm -hmm. fruition. And yeah, we're in November now. And this month, we're focusing a lot on actually strictly on men's health, mental health, well-being. And we have lots of events and practices and guest speakers lined up. Um, which I guess kind of introduces us into the guest speaker, but I'll pause before I do that. Lele, if you'd like to share any, any updates, any news. Ah, updates. Uh, we have updates. Yes, we have updates. We have, uh, um, several of our, now this is the month where the experience, right? Where people are kind of learning mindfulness at IBM. Uh, will be finished. Uh, we had this year. We had the first uh, first time we did it once face to face, right? And wow. that's a very beautiful and interesting experience as well. Uh, it's different. Like you start like for years, you do you know practices and uh, you know this type of workshop. I would say online. Then you do it face to face, and it has a different touch, right? Um, that was interesting. I know that you're doing a going around path and doing face to face all the time, but in, in, in our case, we don't have that option, right? So that was an interesting, uh, uh, I think it was very uh, kind of a successful experience. So we will probably do it more and in more locations as well, right? So this is going to happen. We're gonna, not going to have any summit this year. We're going to plan to do it due as well to various, you know, business schedule and everything. We're going to plan to do it next year in, uh, you know, after the, you know, the beginning of the year closing and ending and results are starting. So end of January, beginning of February, we're going to try to have a, the big mm -hmm. summit for, for IBM. And, um, yeah, but I think there, we're still cooking an idea to meet all together in November. Uh, to have a collective practice, the whole community, right? So, um, you're now that you're seeing this, this podcast, right? So there is a link here below that you can enroll, click. And we're going to all meet and practice together once, um, just to meet and connect. Okay. Now, who is our guest today, Pat? We, um, we don't have many alumni, but we have, uh, an alumni guest speaker today. Oh, yes. We were we were talking about with with Lele and our and our speaker. Uh, this is the third time he's on the podcast, mm -hmm. and we've we used to do a different podcast. Then we moved to this one, and and Sean Harvey is is our guest speaker today. He's been on this show, and he's had I mean a an amazing life. And whenever I think about men, whenever I think about warriors, whenever I think about mindfulness, compassion. I think about Sean Harvey and we're really happy to have him today to, to speak to us about where he's at. He has a surprise that he's been working on for a while that he's going to announce as well. And he's also going to be a guest speaker um, that's going to be open to both Kindrels and, and IBMers in November to speak mm -hmm. about warrior compassion. So without further ado, 
John Harvey, welcome. Welcome, Sean. Uh, thank you. Thank you both, and it's great to be back. Yeah. So, where to start? Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I talk, talk about what's what's your latest uh, experience, Sean. Where where should we start? Yeah, I think the the last time we talked, um, I was either at or had finished working at Eileen Fisher, mm -hmm. fashion company. Um, along the journey, I went to seminary. Um, so my work at Eileen Fisher actually led me to seminary because I knew if we were going to do work with men, mm. um, it had to be at that deeper level. Mm. And so I went specifically to be able to, um, what I, what I like to call, um, doing the soul healing work for men and the compassionate healing for men. That led me to start working with, after I finished seminary, I started working with police and how to deepen compassion in police departments and federal mm -hmm. law enforcement here in the US. And um, and then the work really evolved that um, I started having more and more conversations around how do we help men deepen compassion, especially men that are working and operating in hyper-masculine systems and to find that police, military, mm -hmm. defense, government, finance, tech, construction, um, energy. And in those those um, sectors that are more traditionally male dominated, but also have a mindset that doesn't always allow for vulnerability or authenticity, um, or or even that emotional connection to compassion. Mm. Um, what's the opportunity to be able to bring that to those types of organizations and and men in those organizations and male leaders in those organizations? Um, and then and the other thing is, I wrote a book. <laughs> And so, <laughs> um, I, uh, you know, I have a copy here. It's, uh, it's Warrior Compassion. Compassion. Warrior Compassion, Unleashing the Healing Power of Men. Mm. And so really taking that deeper dive work into not the quick fix and not the quick hit, but really what does it take to do the real healing work for men to liberate and come into their best selves in a way that they can see the world differently, experience the world differently. Mm in the world differently i have my pre-ordered copy i i haven't yet read it but it's on the it's 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 up, going up my my backlog so it's fourth on the list so i'll get to it yeah, uh, that's right. and um i remember maybe a year or two years ago we were also you know talking about the book and um you mentioned without putting words in your mouth how how much it helped you also grow as a as an individual how it allowed you to to better see sort of a framework and and how to mm. organize this and how do you actually takes take a man through this journey of going from this to compassionate warrior i mean without you know giving away all the details how how is that sort of process from going a to b you know and the the book when we when we talked about the book that was a very different book. <laughs> mm. It's taken me, it took me 26 months to write it. And and we talked after I had either was completing or had completed the first draft. Yeah. Then I took away, I took a year away from the book. And, and in a sense, I was really doing my healing work to catch up with my book. Um, and so when I came back to the book, it became very different. And, and, and I really looked at my journey over, over the last 10 years from the day I left Wall Street to work for Eileen Fisher and the transformation that happened by going to work for Eileen Fisher. And then, and then everything that came post Eileen Fisher. Hmm. And 
I then started to really look at my story and then unpack all the different dimensions and elements that I had gone through and the nuance of it and started to lay out, this is a roadmap that can be helpful for other men. But I think that first to, to answer your question, I see this as planting seeds. I, I, I don't take, I take a personal transformation approach to this, not a training and development approach to this. Okay. Training and development, we're often looking, well, what's, what's the objective? What's the outcome? Well, how are we going to get to X? The personal transformation approach is more of, let's plant some seeds. Let's give some insights. And then as you walk your path, Mm-hmm. you'll be able to make the decisions. So I'm not giving the way, I'm just offering, these are things you might not have thought about that might help you along your path to be in an inquiry to find your own truth versus what we often have out in the world is people trying to tell us what the truth is. And so the the inner wisdom that we have that comes from mindful practice, the mm-hmm. it comes from the deeper reflection and connecting to the deepest part of ourselves. That's where we can find the answers of truth and being able to help men discover that truth for themselves that relates, that reflects their journey and their way of being. Um, I think that's really a, a different paradigm than a lot of what's out there. And to plant the seeds, you know, I often say starting off before you even get to where you might be wounded or where you may want to do some of your personal growth work. The first thing is to just get anchored so that you're able to really embrace that journey. Mm. And where we start that is one, finding, first I always say, first thing on the list is find a community mm. where you feel safe in the community of men. Because mm. often where we go is we'll often, if we want to get our emotional needs met as men, we'll go to women. Very different when men are holding us from a place of compassion, empathy, and emotional expression. You know, and that we have enough safety that I often call it to have the safety to be able to ugly cry in front of each other and be able to be held in that experience. So we can really be vulnerable, we can really be courageous, and we can really be truthful about our stuff. And what I find when that happens is one of the biggest things, because we, especially in the United States, is a certain general just came out with the report on the epidemic of loneliness in America. And First and foremost, as we start to break down the mm. disconnect and isolation many men experience and realizing men will often realize, oh, I'm not the only one. And I think the reality, this book was really written for any man who suffers in silence to be able to just like lift up and say, you don't have to. Mm. There's there's access and, and, and possibility for you to start doing some of your transformation work. Um, and your healing work to be able to come into your best selves, which is really a philosophy that that I learned at Eileen Fisher. Um, and in this case, then taking everything I learned at Eileen Fisher and bringing it out to, to more men in the world. The second thing I say after we find community is that we then rediscover play and learn to see the world with childlike wonder. Mm. Because for so many, for so many of us, as we've grown older, our, our playful sides, our fun sides. Um, when we had everything before, we it was conditioned out of us. Um, it's rediscovering who we are by allowing ourselves to be silly, be, by allowing us to break down, break away from the seriousness that the world often expects of us. Mm. And to really re- rediscover 
um, that playfulness can often and creativity can open us up to ourselves in ways that our intellectual, rational, analytical minds won't let us, or that our egos won't let us go there. Um, and so we can often get um, more access into our truth by being able to go through play. Then I then I, I talk about activating curiosity, mm. being able to embrace vulnerability, um, and the safety that we need to be able to embrace that vulnerability. And then, you know, I think related to what you all talk about, then surrendering into the unknown, and often that is coming from the place of the work of mindfulness. That's often coming from the way the work of deeper of deepening consciousness. And being able to go into the emergent space, being able to go into and and relax the ego so we can let go of the need for control and give ourselves the permission to let go mm -hmm. and give us permission to walk from a place of curiosity and wonderment in the world. And ultimately, I think this is really helping men move from this idea of fear-based control to love-based liberation. And at the end of the day, this book is about helping men learn to love in a new way. Mm -hmm. And what I can say is it's moving from an intellectualized version of love that is often love with conditions, because that's often what many of us have learned, to the visceral experience of unconditional love. And what does that mean? And a lot of my work, um, I, you know, working with police and military, it's led me to work with, um, I'm, 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 I'm queer, I'm progressive, I'm, I've lived in New York. I work primarily with conservatives in the right wing echo chamber and I work with, um, I've worked with a number of white nationalists and far right extremists mm -hmm. and bringing the message of soul healing and bringing the work of compassion. And also I am often these days walking between the worlds of progressives and conservatives to say, what's a new way that we can think about creating compassionate bridges that bring us together and unifies and create gaps and help fill the gaps where we are deeply divided and deeply polarized in the world. Hmm. But where is this strong man ego coming from? Like, why is it? I mean, it's true. I, I always thought like, you know, if, uh, if we substitute all the men leaders in this world, there would be probably much less wars and suffering if we substitute them with women, right? Because there is a lot of kind of kind of ego in being a male, right? That you need to learn to let it go. And but I don't know what what is the origin. Well, I think there's many places of the. I think there's many many uh, points where we can we can point to the origin. Mm. Uh, I think part of it is the way we've been conditioned. I think mm. I often describe it as faulty teaching and toxic conditioning mm. it can lead to a strong man ego which is actually a weak ego that is highly prone to work in automatic defense mm -hmm. and, and i think there's a couple of things you know when we're talking about especially right now manhood and masculinity mm. that for so many men this whole concept of masculinity as opposed to being in relationship to a uh, a construct that is masculinity. Many men have have owned that construct as their identity. Mm. So part of this is when you start to talk about toxic masculinity, which is a language I, I very rarely have ever used. But when men hear that, it, it goes into automatic defense of you're, you're diminishing me as a man. Mm. 
right? So I think there's a de-identification that's happening. And I think the other part of it is there's, you know, someone said to me once, how do we help men navigating a world that is feminizing Hmm. without emasculating men in the process. And I think that's really the dance that we're walking in mm -hmm. is, you know, I often find that when we talk about this work, there's either a hyper-masculine approach to beat our emotions out of us, or there's a hyper-feminine approach that demonizes the masculine and we stay in the feminine. Um, and how do we really balance strength and tenderness? strength and sensitivity and but i think to your your question i think a lot of it is is is, is coming from you know so many influences that we learn growing up mm. from our, our parents from our families from our peers from our being in school um from faith mm. you know so many messages have been that there is a should of how we should be yeah. I think we're in a time now that's breaking down the shoulds to say, okay, but what is? And there's a freedom that you can have when you start to explore your relationships to all of these things and start to ask yourself, okay, but but who am I really and what do I really want and how do I want to live? Mm. And to really be in a different exploration as opposed to accepting what we've been given through our conditioning as that is the rule of how we should be. But I think then when we challenge that, that's often because we identify with it so closely as men, that's when our defenses often come up. That's when we go into, you know, fight or flight. And a lot of times men will fight because it, it, it goes so against the nature of what we've been taught and how we've grown up. If, if we're just to, you know, turn on the news, there's a lot of fighting happening in the world. Mm -hmm. um, to Lele's point, there's still, I think, predominantly in most sectors and in most industries and in most countries, it, it's still male dominated. You, you mentioned some of these sectors and in industry at the beginning that are essential for growth and, and the future, et cetera. So how do you see kind of the future state of humanity and with kind of where we're at right now and how that trajectory might change if men were more compassionate or following any of the points that you mentioned from from being a group to to practicing more mindfulness being in a safe space around men etc i think often, i think um you know i want to i want to just connect to in order for us to be more compassionate there's often healing we need to do that allows us to be more self-compassionate and, and be able to practice self-love mm. and, and to learn to love in a new way. You know, I, I'm also an, an interfaith minister, and as part of that, I look at love as the root of so much of this. If we, if we can't feel as men, how are we going to be able to express love? Because love is a feeling, it's not an intellectual idea. So to be able to really feel into it, and to have, you know, reclaim the parts of ourselves that we've rejected, that 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 in itself can start to help us see the world in a different way. Mm. When love's at the root of how we experience and see the world. Um, and that, you know, is at the root of compassion. 
what I find and what I what I find and what I've found and what, what led me here is compassion is often the missing link. It's what's often missing in our organizations. It's missing in our systems. It's missing in our in our dialogue. It's missing in our it's missing in the ways we're divided. Yeah. Um, it's missing in our governmental systems. And so, you know, I started to coin the term compassion of masculinity because it's like, all right, if we take this idea of masculinity, the construct of what we've learned, and we just, you know, envelop it in compassion, what does that look like? Taking out the right, wrong, the duality of the thinking and just to be with what becomes possible when we start to talk about compassion, mm -hmm. something that's a missing ingredient, what can that open up? And what I find is, you know, and in the book, one of the things I do is I, I, because I often can get, you know, well, compassion is a sign of weakness. And what I'll do is when I talk about deepening spiritual understanding, I start to highlight, well, let's look at the definitions. How, what, what does Christianity say? What does Judaism say? What does Islam say? What is, what did the Sufis say? What does Buddhism say? What does Hinduism say? What does the shamans say? And what does integral spirituality say about how they define compassion? And the fact that compassion is a universal truth among most faiths, traditions, and organized religion. Mm. So when you think about it from the depth, the spiritual depths of this world, and it's a, it's a, it's a word that can, can cross from the spiritual to the secular that is accessible, but it has such deep roots that then can counter the fact that this is a sign of weakness. And actually it is a demonstration of strength when you have the access to be able to do it. Yeah. I, uh, I met not too, a few weeks ago, Kristen Neff, who's one mm -hmm. of the world leading researchers in compassion. And she challenged me to bring more compassionate into our mindfulness program and, and what we do and, and into my life. And I'm taking your challenge as well. Um, we don't have a lot of time left and we want everyone to check out your book and check out Sean's website. And he's also a lot on the web doing workshops. There's other podcasts, et cetera. So do listen to Sean. However, it would be great if you left us with a short little practice or exercise that we can do to maybe cultivate some more of this yeah. compassion. Masculine compassion. Mm -hmm. well, let's just um, close your eyes, lower your gaze, get comfortable. Let's just do four breaths together. I'm going to switch this up a little bit. On the first breath, just, just breathe in and just get centered. On the second, imagine your life from a place of deeper compassion. And your third, feel what that compassion can look like when you give it to yourself. And fourth, we'll come back to center and we'll just sit in silence for a second. Um, so first breath, just get centered and breathe in. Hold. And release. Second breath. Imagine compassion and breathe in. Oh. 
hold and release. Hold breath, feel the compassion for yourself and breathe in. Hold and release. And fourth breath, coming back to center and breathe in. Hold. And release. One more breath, and when you're ready, come back into the space. Thank you, as always, Sean. Always appreciate your presence and thank you, thank you. Thank you both. Thank you for having me. So good luck with the. Uh, not only your publication, but with, uh, you know, whatever is ahead, right? I think this is a, an important topic to, to bring forward. Uh, in some part of the world, more than in some others for the moment, but uh, hopefully everywhere is going to be. Um, mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Mm -hmm. uh, and talk to you in another episode in the Mindfulness Podcast. Mm -hmm.